can remain seated. One of these days, I'll tell you to stand, and you won't think I'm think I'm joking. Maybe I will be. We'll find out. But um, <clears throat> as often is the case with series, I give a little introduction at the beginning um, to kind of recap what it's about, in case you weren't here or forgot, and uh, what we've gone over already. Um, this series that we're doing right now is one of the most, not the longest, but has the most points, um, point-wise, of pretty much any one that we've done. Um, but I'm sure we can find a longer one at some point. But, um, anyways, as often, as often, but as often is, there we go, I got them in the right order. The case, but when we hear these sorts of things, sometimes we can say, you know, well, that doesn't apply to me, um, because it doesn't sound like it does. We kind of brush things off. Um, and, um, but I pray that as we go through these different points that we can um, just kind of be open with our, and honest with ourselves and with God. And um, probably, we have over 20 some points that we're going to go through, not all tonight, but probably something will come up that we struggle with. Um, there's someone here tonight that I do, so <laughs> I got to work on some things. But the Bible tells us that we need to live in harmony with each other. The King James Version uses the, the phrase being of the same mind, but that's what it means. The Bible tells us you know, to live in harmony, to aim for harmony in the church, and, um, and it tells us that it is a fitting thing for the followers of Jesus. Um, so we're going to use a couple different versions of the Bible, I think three, but um, you can, you know, if you have your physical Bible with you, you can follow along with whatever one you have, it doesn't really matter. Um, but Romans 12 and 16, these are kind of like our foundational texts. It says, live in harmony with each other. Do not be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it. We'll get to that one later. And so then let us aim for harmony in the church and, let, and try to build each other up. 14 and 19 and 15 and 5 says, may God, who gives us patience and encouragement, help you to live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for the followers of Christ Jesus. We've been talking about harmony. And so these three verses, they're kind of scattered throughout a portion of scripture, Romans 12 to 16, and the word harmony appears. It's an ongoing theme uh, in this passage. And, um, and like we said last week, we, we're living in a day that's very much against harmony. <laughs> like it's very chaotic. Um, every day there's something else to be angry about. It seems like all the, well, I've been avoiding the news this week, but it seems like, at least last week, all the news is just trying to get everyone riled up or angry about something, trying to cause division and all these sorts of things. There's protests and there's riots all the time, and um, nobody seems to want to get along or try to get along. And we read from 2 Timothy last week, and it says, um, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, 
heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people. And that, to me, describes where we're living, and that's very much the world. Um, and so I would say we're closer than we've been before. Um, but, you know, in, in our society right now, it's um, I'm right, and anyone who thinks otherwise is evil. And we throw around accusations like nothing. You know, everyone's a Nazi that disagrees with me. You know, except for people that actually are. We celebrate them in our parliament, I guess. But, you know, this is what, this is how it is. Everyone just, everyone's all, you don't like, well, you're a bigot, you're a racist, you're a liar, you're whatever. It's just, we just throw words, they don't have any meaning anymore. But disunity is kind of just a, a rampant thing. There's all sorts of division. Uh, everything's kind of, yeah, you know how it is. You guys are alive, I think. <laughs> We're in the world. We see how it is. Um, but the Bible, or the church is supposed to be different. Um, the Bible says that we're called out of the world. The word church comes from the Greek word ecclesia, which means the called out ones, which we're called out from one, from the world and the world's way of thinking. So look, God doesn't want us to live that way, divided and mad at everyone and fighting with everyone and all that stuff. He's called us out from it. And um, we know that the world in the time of the, the New Testament wasn't much better. You got the Romans kind of taking over everyone and, you know, just killing people that disagreed, you know. Or you had to basically surrender to the Roman army or you were just, you were murdered. Those are your options. It was so big and powerful and, you know, people, they might have surrendered, but, you know, they weren't too pleased about it. And so... You know, there was all kinds of chaos and things going on in those days as well. But harmony is something that we should all want in our lives. Um, and again, we said last week that there are some of those who just like to live in chaos. And if I could give you a word, it would be from such turn away. But Paul said um, in 1 Corinthians 14 and 13 that God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. And so if we're going to follow him, this is something that we should have in our lives. And so the book of Romans, Paul writes it and you know, he, he spends a lot of time in the book, the first 11 chapters or so, dealing with a lot of doctrinal things. And then he ends um, this epistle with lots of things that we need to do in order to have harmony in, in the church. And so last week, our four things we kind of covered, we talked about um, repentance or uh, we need to present our bodies a living sacrifice. We need to be willing to lay ourselves down. Or none of this will work. If we don't get the first one right, if we're not willing to lay ourselves on the altar, if we're not willing to give up ourselves, then we're not going to go any further. Uh, and then we talked about humility. Um, you aren't a big deal. Sorry. Neither am I. Don't think yourself higher than you, than you are. Um, and then three, we talked about how we need to have need to control our expectations because everyone's different and sometimes we expect others to be like us or be like this other person or whatever and God made us all different and we should realize that and and because we're all different we all have different giftings and so we should use 
and use our giftings to help the church. It talks about encouraging, teaching, prophesying, giving, leading, showing kindness, and serving. And so those are the first four. We're going to um, try to go through six more. Um, if we go too long, then we'll, we'll stop and pick it up. But Romans 12, 9 to 10, he says, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring um, one another. So from that, we get really love people, really love people, and love the right things. In the New Living, he says it like this. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. That's pretty plain. Much more plain than a whole, a poor evil. <laughs> sometimes it sounds nicer, but um, sometimes when it's, it just hits you when it's plain. Um, I don't know if you've ever had anyone pretend that they, they love you or like you. Like, you know, maybe pretend they're your friend or something. Or... Or whatever, and then, and then something kind of happens. Maybe you overhear a conversation they're having with someone else, and they say something about you, or um, maybe there's a blow up between you, and they, some things come out, or um, maybe they, you know, when you need someone, they're they're not there, or, or whatever. It can be a devastating thing to think that someone cares about you, and then find out that they don't. Um, there's not much worse in this life than being betrayed like that. Uh, if that never happened, most of our songs today wouldn't be written. That's what they're all about. Heartbreak. Oh, there wouldn't be country music. <laughs> Anyways, I'll leave that there. That wasn't my notes. That's from the Lord. There's not much worse than going through something like that. And so Paul says, you know, in other words, don't be that person that pretends they love someone but doesn't. Don't pretend to love each other. In the words of the great philosopher Nike, just do it. Really love each other. Jesus said that that's how they will know that you're my disciples. People can tell if you're faking it. It's awkward. You know, people pretending to care or pretending to listen, and you can tell that they're not. Um, you know, they're a million miles away. It's very un uncomfortable. You know, why am I here? Um, you know when you go to a family thing and everyone's on their phones? <laughs> it's kind of like that. You know, people are just pretending to be there, pretending to care. We've gathered around to ignore each other because we love each other. No, you're just caring about something else right now. People can tell if you care or not. People can generally generally they can tell if you love them, you know, if you want to be around them or not, if you want to be somewhere else. And if they can't, eventually they will, and the truth will come out. But we're, we're supposed to actually love each other, he says. Not just say it, not just you know, tell each other that we love them. You know, I'll love you, but, but mean it. You know, why say it if you don't? You know, we tell our kids not to lie. You know, Sunday school, liars go to hell, you hear that? Huh. I don't know, I did. I also had a teacher tell us to hit the floor and repent a lot, so... I don't know. We were a mess. But, you know, why say it if you don't? That's, that's dishonest. For some reason, 
you know, we expect our children not to lie, but then we got no problem with it. But it's convenient. Anyways, we'll, we'll get that more later. But, well, this is going to get awkward, isn't it? But people can tell. Um, when we love each other, we act on it. We forgive. You know, and I think it's Corinthians, there's a list of attributes assigned to love. One that was not keeping score. When we love each other, we forgive. We treat each other properly. We want to spend time together. We check up on each other. We support each other. We care about what happens to each other. We care if someone's not there. We use those gifts that God's given us. We encourage and we teach and we speak truth and we lead and serve and show kindness and all those things. We pray for each other, right? Don't, don't, don't pretend. No, no one likes a fake. Don't fake it. And then he says, hate what is wrong. Hate sin. Hate it. Don't partake in it. Don't encourage it. Don't watch it. Don't be entertained by it. Hate it. We shouldn't, you know, I don't know. I think I've been stuck in this verse for a long time. i got to stick to what i got written down. But for some reason, we think it's totally fine to be entertained by sin and then we can, you know, we're supposed to hate it. Anyways. I think if God hates something, we should probably hate it too. If God hates it, surely we can all agree that it's wrong. Right? There's a list in Proverbs of things that God hates. I had a Bible quiz and I had to learn these things. Oh, did I miss that one? Oh my goodness. I'll just read it for you. You have to trust me. Proverbs 6, 16 to 19 says, These six things doth the Lord hate, and seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift and running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. That's a good one. That's a nice list. <laughs> Lying. Let's just go through this real quick. Proud look. Well, we do that. That's obvious. We talked about that last week. Don't think yourself more highly than you should. Right? Um, lying. Uh, most people, I don't know if you've ever met anyone that just lies for no reason. I worked with a guy. He just lied about everything. Everything that came out of his mouth basically was a lie. Ask him where he was born and just made up a place. Just ran just for no reason. It's like you couldn't tell the truth. Um, you know, we obviously know that's wrong. But if you ask anyone if they lie, they're going to say no. You ready? Watch. We got any liars here? Oh, you just got your hand up. <laughs> we got any liars here? No. Okay. For those of you that don't lie, you're telling the truth. And those of you that lie, well... Incredible. You're going to say you don't. So how do we know? Liars always say they don't, and truthers always say they don't lie too. Truthers didn't get spell checked, so that's a word. So you can never tell. But sometimes, sometimes we, we can lie and we kind of disguise it. Um, maybe we aren't telling bold-faced lies. You know, maybe we're, maybe we're just telling half-truths to avoid things. 
Sometimes we'll disguise it as excuses. Oh, I can't, I can't be there. The kids are sick, but they're fine. Or, oh, we got something going on. We'll be at church tonight. And then your Facebook says otherwise. People forget that I also have the internet. <laughs> you know, we'll say we'll say things. Oh my word, people! I went. I know people. Not here. Hopefully, we call in sick to go. Call in sick to work. Pretend like oh, I'm so sick to go to church. That's crazy. can creep into to our, our lives if we aren't careful. I mean, oh, I don't lie, because I'm not just telling these straight out things, but, you know, we're not careful. This stuff can, can creep in. <sighs> Murdering, yeah, we know that. I don't think we have any murderers here that we know of. Um, wicked imaginations, um, plotting evil, revenge, We'll get to that later. Getting them back. You'll get yours. You know, this um, This is another one of those things that nobody knows about. Kind of like lying sometimes, unless you catch someone. But, you know, um, nobody knows what's going on in your head other than you. But God hates it when we're imagining these wicked things. He sees and he knows, thinking about the wrong stuff, revenge, lust, whatever he had, whatever. And so, you know, taking it a step further, acting on it, running to do things. He says, don't. He hates that sort of thing. There's a, then there's a false witness, which is lying about someone else. If you don't know it's true, if you weren't there, if it didn't happen to you, if you can't verify it, I don't care how good or true or juicy the story sounds, just close your mouth. Don't say it. Which leads to the next one, sowing discord. This is the good stuff. We're only on the first part, guys. If, we, if we're talking about each other, the pastor or a family or whatever others um, some of these little seeds of doubt discord um, we're wrong it doesn't matter how long we've been here how long we've got the Holy Ghost or how involved we are if we're doing that getting together to talk um, getting together with people to talk about others God hates it there are truths and there are things that people should be warned about sure but we need to have some sense. Sometimes we just need to mind, mind your business. That's all, mind your business. All right, we'll move on. Because this is... That's just a little list of things God hates. There's more. There's all kinds of things. There's all kinds of sin um, we can talk about. We'll be here forever. But it's a nice, neat little list of Proverbs. But hate what is wrong. Hold tight to what is good. There's seven bad things in that list in Proverbs. There's seven good things or gifts in Romans that we talked about last week. Prophecy, serving, teaching, leading, encouraging, showing kindness, giving. Hold on to those things. Hate the other things. And the option and the choice is there for us. Which things are we going to do? Which things are we going to hold on to? Which things are we going to, to hate? Um, and you can you know, read your Bible. There's lots of good things in there to hold on to. There's lots of things in there that we that tell you know lots of tells us things that are wrong that we can hate. 
Um, and again, you know, love each other with genuine, real love and delight and take joy in honoring each other. Enjoy it. Don't make it a chore. Take delight in honoring each other. This should be something that we like to do. Not like, ugh. Anyways. We'll move on, as I can tell. You're loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. <laughs> Second point. Practice help and hospitality. Verse 13, there we go. Distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. That's first. Oh, that's uh, King James. New Living says, When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. If we want to have harmony, we need to take care of each other. If we don't, who's going to? We're supposed to be a family. We heard last week that we're a body, and a body is supposed to take you know, care of itself. If it doesn't, you're not very healthy. The early church, they gave, I think we heard it Sunday, they gave everything they had to support each other. That's how much they believed in it. The apostles set guys up to make sure that the widows were fed and, and taken care of. Paul tells um, of a church in Macedonia who were very poor, but yet they gave all they could and more to help another church, a church in Jerusalem that wasn't as bad off as they are. Second Corinthians 8, it says, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God and his kindness have done through the churches in Macedonia. A very, this is a very poor place. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, and but more, far more. And they did it of their own free will. No one made them do it. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift of the believers in Jerusalem. They begged to help more. They wanted to give more because they were their brothers. Even though they maybe had more, they wanted to give more. And that's the same kind of attitude um, that we should have for each other. And we shouldn't see each other as burdens. Oh no, here comes... I was going to say names, but I won't. Here comes so-and-so. I wonder what they need now. That's how you feel when I come up to you, isn't it? Oh, it's another missionary. All they do is ask for money. Oh no, it's them. Run away! But if we're going to have harmony, we need to act like a family and support each other, not just the people we call friends or the ones we like, but all of us, each other. And there are some times, there are some family members that you need to tell them, all right, you need to do some stuff on your own now. There is that. This is not what we're talking about. We're not talking about that uncle of yours that would never grow up. I'm talking about people that are in need. Not lazy. People that are in need. Anyways. If we're going to have harmony, we need, to, we need to take care of each other. We're in this together. People need help sometimes. Some people, they want help all the time, but that's a different topic for a different day. There are seasons and times when we go through things in our lives when we need help more than others. And when that happens, the church should be there for each other. There's nothing wrong with helping out someone who is overwhelmed. Maybe there's been a, a, a loss in the family, or maybe there's been a birth. Those also happen. You know, 
There's a lot of funerals around here, but people, people are born too. Sometimes maybe someone has gone through a surgery or they're, they're in the hospital or they're, or they're weaker than normal and they need help. You know, maybe around the house or they need a meal made or someone just to check up on them. A person shouldn't feel abandoned by the church when they're in a time of need. That's when we should step up for each other and be there. Um, when I was a, a wee lad, my father passed away. He and my mother, um, they were divorced at the time. They hadn't been together for many years. Um, but even still, when it happened, it was quite a shock. And we were, we were hurting still uh, for a lot of reasons. And if it wasn't for the church, I don't know where I would be. And I specifically remember a few weeks after it happened during prayer time um, at our church. Our church is, was a big church. A big, you know, to me, I guess. I know there's bigger ones. It's probably 300 or so. Um, Sunday night or whatever. And um, I remember during the prayer, you know, we didn't take prayer requests like that. We had um, cards that they would fill and give to the usher. Because some people would take it for testimony time and go on forever. Um, but we were doing prayer, and, and um, the pastor and the daughter asked for special prayer for my brother and I. He was eight, I was 11. And he said, because these boys miss their dad and they're hurting. And these big old burly men, <laughs> to me anyway, they just came over, a couple of these guys in the church, and they just laid those big old bear paws on our shoulders and probably on our head, <laughs> and just prayed. And it was at that moment that I realized that we weren't alone, and that the church cared. We weren't just some annoying kids. We weren't just Irma's boys. But we were part of the church. And growing up, some of these same guys kept praying for us. When I was a teenager and confused and all over the place and didn't know what way I was going, some of these same guys would just come over and those big old mitts on me and pray for me and shake me until I, <laughs> I prayed through. The hands didn't seem as big as I rolled her butt. Whenever I was in need, the church always ministered to me. It wasn't always the pastor. Very rarely, because there were so many people. It was the church. And that's what our job is. To be there for each other and to support each other and help each other. And sometimes it's spiritual, sometimes it's just coming alongside someone and an arm around their shoulder and praying with them. Sometimes it's more physical. We need to help people in that way. But harmony comes when we do these things. When we know I'm not alone. Someone cares for me. Someone calls and checks up or whatever. When we actually love each other and help each other and are hospitable and open with each other. Oh my word, it's quarter two already. Only gone through two. Oh, it's eight two. Good grief. 
Point number seven, bless your persecutors. Oh boy. Maybe we'll stop here. Romans 12 and 14 says, bless them which persecute you. Bless, just in case you weren't sure, and curse not. Gotta say it twice, because sometimes we don't hear it the first time. This is a hard one. Someone treats us badly, you know, our first reaction is to curse them. Maybe we don't say the, the curse words. Maybe we have our own version of them that we use sometimes. Um, but we, in our hearts, we can curse someone that treats us badly. But it's not enough, according to the Bible, to not curse them. But we're also told to bless them. And that may be more difficult than to just not curse them. It's even it's more challenging to bless them. And this is coming from Paul, who was a former persecutor. You know, he was when he was holding the coats of the men who were murdering Stephen in the book of Acts, he watched and listened while Stephen prayed for his killers or blessed them in that sense. And I have no doubt that that made an impact on Paul's life. Your blessing of someone, your praying for someone may change them from a persecutor to a brother or sister. Sometimes we tell our kids, you know, just ignore it. You know, when someone's doing something, someone's picking on that school or something, we kind of tell them to ignore it. We think that's good advice. But the Bible says otherwise. We're not called to just ignore our persecutors. But we're also told to bless them. And pray for them, Jesus says. And in today's society, we just curse and condemn anyone who says anything or does anything against us. Anyone who disagrees with us. You know, this whole thing, words or violence and all that. How dare you say those things? You know, three and a half years ago, people were wishing death on others because they didn't want to do a thing that they did. That's the world we're living in. No wonder harmony is missing. No wonder our world can't get along. But when we start at the altar and we lay ourselves down, it's easier to do this. When we lay down our pride and our ego and our, our kingdom and our way of thinking and blessing instead of cursing becomes easier and it becomes a more natural way of, of living because we, as we lay ourselves down, we be that living sacrifice that we're told to be um, we become more and more like Jesus. The longer we stay on that altar, the more of us burns away. And the more of him there is that remains. And we become more like him. And Jesus prayed and said, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Now I start to see this persecutor as a soul. And I start to see them as a, someone that Jesus died for. And now they're not my enemy anymore. Other people aren't the enemy. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And when we start to see through the eyes of Jesus, this becomes our natural response. And the world would like to pit us against each other and have us hate anyone who's different and have us make enemies of everyone. But if we go back to the altar and we present ourselves as living sacrifices, 
what's supposed to happen. Verse 2, it says we're not to be conformed to this world anymore. Our minds are supposed to be renewed. We're not thinking like this anymore. And it all goes back to the altar. It starts at the altar. And Jesus says we need to love everyone, not just our neighbors, but our enemies too. It's easy to love you know, a neighbor or a friend, it's easy to love some of our family. Some of them are <laughs> It's easy to love people that we like or people that are like us, but it's harder to love people that aren't like us. Maybe they don't look the same or act the same or talk the same. Maybe they do things a little bit differently. Jesus said, Matthew 5 and 44, But I say unto you, love your enemies, Bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. So do good, pray for them, bless them. These are all pretty difficult things to do sometimes. But why do we need to do it? He said, verse 45, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. Let you be like your Father. For he maketh his sun to rise on the evil and on the good. And is in the rain to the just and the unjust. He blesses both. Be like your father. They may be children of your father. That's how people will know that something is different. By how you treat people who mistreat you. God makes the sun to shine on the just and the unjust. He allows it to rain on the just and the unjust. We see rain as a a curse, but that's a, that was a blessing in the hot days. We live in the Middle East. It's nice when it rains. One can assume. I remember in Africa when it would rain. Every day it called for rain. It rained like four times, maybe three times when we were there. And those it just poured, and everyone's like, yes. Because it was so humid, and then it would just... And then the roads were all messed because they were all dirt, but... It was raining. It was a blessing. Everyone's happy and excited. God makes the sun to shine on the just and the unjust, rain on the just and the unjust. Just the same. He loves both. He cares for both. He died for both. The person that hurt you, Jesus loves them. The person who abused or mistreated or neglected us, Jesus died for them too. And that's a hard pill to swallow sometimes. But by loving them and praying for them and blessing them and doing good to them, you're showing them, you're showing the world who your father is. And he says, uh, do I have this one? 45 and 47, or 46 and 47. But for if you love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so. So Jesus says, you know, if you only love people who love you, how are you any different than anyone else? That's what everyone does. That's what the entire world does. How are they supposed to know that you're a that you're your father's child if you're just living the same as everyone else? If you just love everyone that loves you and you hate everyone that hates you, if you only salute or greet or welcome your friends, how are you any different than anyone else? So I guess I guess we'll stop <laughs> there. Um, 
All right. Let's, uh, I don't know. I can keep going, but I think I'll stop tonight. I wonder if we could pray. We had a couple of things there, not as many as we're planning on. But I wonder if we could take some time before we go. And as, maybe as we're talking about that last one, and there are some things that came to mind. If not, you're fine. Or maybe there are some folks that came to mind that have hurt or done anything. I wonder if we could, as we go, I wonder if we could bless them tonight and pray for them. Um, yeah, let's do that. What is that? I know it's a little different than normally go, but. Anyways, let's pray together.